What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. It's me, Michelle Thompson, and I'm here with Mike Morton and, oh, it's supposed to be Anthony Ione, but it says Trey Ryder. Hold on. <laughs> we don't have one with the three of us. It's okay. We're going to roll with it. We just rotate uh, back Ryder. and forth. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Trey Ryder is uh, not joining us today, but uh, we are going to roll. Uh, slacker. He's away on assignment. <laughs> Come on. Slacker. Such a slacker. I know. We all know that about Trey. Uh, no, just kidding. We are um, very excited to be able to give him a little break here before we get into Worlds next week, which is going to be, you know, a big event. I always call it the Super Bowl of Cornhole when I'm explaining it to other people. Um, so really excited about that coming up. But first, we have to talk about uh, the pro shootout that happened this past weekend in Lakeland, Florida, and uh, loved watching it, especially because one of my favorite players made it and won, Eric Davis. So congrats to him. He had some incredible shots that we got to watch before the broadcast. We got to watch some incredible shots on the broadcast. So yeah. excited to <laughs> hear you guys talk about that. Uh, second place, Berkeley, play Berkeley pair who played phenomenally well and i think the the boards or the bags or the hole just didn't like him just just denied him many times over and over i thought he threw really great there um and then austin Slowbomb and cameron presley did a great job as well and those are the men's singles on the women's singles sam finley finally takes her win well deserved connie altai second struggling a little bit on that broadcast court and then Cameron Belden and Yeti Irwan. So I'd love to hear you guys uh, discuss men's and women's singles. So we'll start with you, Mike. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to dive right into the to the women's. I, I thought I thought it was very interesting. Um, nearly 30% of the women in the field uh, through a, a 10 PPR or better in the uh, rounders portion. I'm sorry, in the bracket. Paced by Brianna Trujillo with a 10.5, which, by the way, was in a losing effort in her first round match. She lost to Sam Finley, who we all know went on to win the whole thing, but almost 30%, like 29.4% of the women in the field threw a 10 or higher, um, exceeding what the, what the, uh, the men did by the way, percentage wise. So hats nice. off to the ladies. They were really slinging them. Um, players that threw over the tens, just to make sure I get the, the, the call outs here were Finley, Altice, um, Belvin, Odom, and Brianna Trujillo, as I mentioned. So they threw great. Um, Deb Odom was the only woman to go 4-0 in rounders. So she's had a very, very quiet, solid season. Really, she's been in contention all year long, just looking for that big breakout win. So with all that being said, the, the, the woman of the hour, Sam Finley, want to give her a big shout out. She's been looking for that big win, and, and she looked good doing it. As you mentioned, Connie Altice. My goodness, she was averaging a 10.73 going into the finals. Yeah. A 10.73. She hadn't thrown anything less than a 10 on the day. And then just as you mentioned, she struggled a little bit in the finals there. Sam Finley, no slouch. She was averaging a 10.44 going into the finals, and she just didn't let up. She she poured it on. So, um, But I think Connie's got something in store for us at Worlds. That's where she broke out last year. So I'm, I'm excited to see her at, at the World Championships back on in her natural environment at Rock Hill, where everybody kind of saw her for the first time. Um, then uh, over to the uh, men's single shootout, Eric Davis. All right. We're all going to remember that he won. That's that's fine. That's well and good. He had a phenomenal performance. As you mentioned, some nasty six shots just doing things Eric Davis does. 
I'm not sure people might understand this. And this is this is one of my arguments to the sticky game in general. He went one and two in rounders and it wasn't it was an ugly one and two. I know he's never been a high PPR shooter. I, I get that. I definitely get that. But he shot a 7.64 and a 7.0 in his first two games and got blown out those two games by a combined 35 points. So something happened between that second game of rounders and then the rest of the day. Um, it's not that his PPR shot through the roof. It's that the dirty, sticky game started working. It wasn't working for him early. And then something clicked and it started working and he just won every game he needed to win, you know, clutch shots, six shots, um, consistent when he needed to be. Again, he didn't throw phenomenal. I think only one match the rest of the day that he exceeded 10 PPR, but his DPR was first in the field at a 1.02. But I just wanted to throw out there rounders. They're great to get you seeds, but they don't do you any good. You know, once the bracket starts, you know, every, everybody erases those records. So he came in as the 36th seed and marched all the way through a six in our record. And then last but not least, the uh, the the yawner, the ho-hum. We all knew that Birchfield and Rawls were going to get their, their big win in a shootout. So this was the one that they chose to do it. Um, they did it in fairly convincing fashion. Um, just... Nice to see another set of new names up there. Almanza and Beamer uh, went undefeated and gave up zero points in their first two rounds in, in the bracket until they ran into um, you know, a, a monster. But anyway, Almanza and Beamer were looking really good, probably 80% of the way through this event. Didn't give up any points in the bracket. So hats off to them. They looked really good. Was excited for those new names. So that's my takeaway. No surprises, really, um, but a lot of great. No points. surprises, Mike. But I, if I remember right, on the stream, everybody was picking Cheyenne and and James to win because they were on a tear. So a little bit of a surprise, just because of how well they were throwing. I, I, I won't. I won't deny that maybe they weren't the absolute favorite, hands down favorite. But it's no surprise that, that any of the players won. Nobody came in out of left field and took away a win. In Correct. My opinion. I would agree with that. All right, Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, Mike, just to comment on your your high PPRs within within the women's. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, think about it. What female bagger is going to dirty up the board? You're right. They always have a clear path to the hole. So no right. surprise their PPRs are high. They should be high. Um, I definitely wanted to start off with singles and follow Eric Davis's run through this shootout six. Uh, it was an awesome run with some some good shots, like uh, like Mish was saying at the beginning. But first match, he's going to pull a Dalton McClem, twenty one to zero in seven rounds. Didn't even need any of the rounders uh, limited. He's like, I'm going to knock this out real quick in twenty one zero. He gets dangerous. Danny Seals next. He goes up high early. He's up like ten to two somewhere late in that in that game, like round nine, round ten, or Danny. By that time, dangerous Danny Seals sneaks back in. It was like. 12 to 10 with a couple rounds to left, mm -hmm. but uh, that's how, that's how Davis rolls. I feel like he's either going to have these blowout games, whether he loses by a lot or wins by a lot, uh, but there's really nothing ever really in between. Um, he's high he risk, Ash high reward. Yeah, exactly. High risk, high reward. He gets Ashton Spees in the third round, 12 to seven. That one was another close game that the score didn't really reflect how close it was. It was tied in the 10th round. He finished that one off in the last few rounds. 
uh, in the fourth round to make TV, he pulls Frank Modlin. Modlin was in this same position last shootout. He's one game away from TV, so here he is again. But this time, Mish, he's up 12 to 8 in the final round. So Modlin's sitting comfortable, right? Except you're sitting next to probably the best manufacturer of points ever. Um, to, so, so to start it off, Davis, I don't know if you saw this, but he throws like this 14-foot-high block attempt. It, like the bag disappears from the TV, and you're waiting for a while. <laughs> and it drops, and it actually went in the hole. And he's all, you know, he's all pissed off. He's st storming around the box. He's like, "Dang it, my block didn't work." Does the same thing on bag two. He lays up this bag. You're counting. You wait for this thing to come down. Perfect level two block. Um, and then Frank goes off and it worked. Frank missed a couple backup blocks, leaving Davis a three bag push to tie. Now, for most baggers we know in the league, you're done. Like, forget about it. You're not going to pull this off. But for a Davis, it's a different story. He had to push one of Modlin's bags, two of his bags, and the bag in his hand had to go in the hole. A four bag and in one shot. Mish, I'm done being shocked by Eric Davis. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the dude is constantly pulling off these amazing shots. It's almost expected now when he pulls off a shot. You're like, okay, yep, I should have seen that one coming. But long story short, he wins out in overtime. Again, Modlin is right there. I feel like he's on the he's due for a breakout. I mean, he's always just right there, one game away from you know, a, getting into a bracket final or getting on TV. Um, and then Davis gets on TV and we just, we just didn't get what we would want. You know, he rolls through Presley and pair in the semifinal and finals round, earning his spot for a shot at 40 K. But here's the thing about Davis. He blows up opponent PPRs. So every time a PPR junkie looks at their phone and they see that they're playing Eric Davis, they're like FML. I mean, like, check this out. Eric Davis is way down. You went through PPRs. Eric Davis was way down the list on PPR. 21st. He was, he was 21st. 21st. But guess what? Don't care. Why? Because only one player was able to throw above a nine against Davis all day. Right. He forced the six PPR early in the tournament. He forced pair into the sevens in the final. Mish. This dude is going to drag you down to the nastiest, muddiest, dirtiest game there is and smack your ass. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> 21st in PPR, first in DPR takes the event. But don't you think when I was watching it, I just felt like Berkeley was hitting good shots and like it was almost like it just wasn't his time to win. I just felt like the, the hole was denying yep. the bag a lot of yeah. times. Like that should have gone in. Why didn't it go in? So, so if I could go back to, to one other thing, there was a match this weekend and I, and I didn't get to see this match. I'm not sure if it was streamed at all or, or anything, but I was looking at the stats of this. And I think that this match right here exemplifies why the shootouts are so exciting. It was in the women's semifinals, Cameron Belvin and Sam Finley. So Sam Finley goes up uh, with a point in the first round. There's nine frames after that. And after that, there were four lead changes. I mean, it was just completely back and forth. No player held the lead, I think, for more than two frames before the other player came back and took the lead, including Sam, who came back and scored two points in the last frame to take it nine to eight. So she was trailing by two with two frames to go. She scored one in frame nine, two in frame 10. But that kind of exciting back and forth, I think, is 
one reason why the shootout can be so exciting. So, hey, Mission Women Singles. It. Sorry, go ahead. I say I definitely enjoy watching the. I know the players don't always love it, but I love watching the shootouts. Yeah, no doubt. It's just a different. It's a different way to you know. It's a different way to 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 watch the game. It's pretty fun. But in the women's shootouts, that one felt like it was going to be an Altice Cassidy finals in the making. I mean, super strong favorites coming in. Cassidy was out after her first match. You talked about Altai. She was on fire all tournament. She only gave up six points in all of her lead-up matches. Wow. These are 12-round limited matches. She closes her first match in five rounds. And then she had two 11-plus matches. She was cooking all the way to the final, and then she runs into Finley. Um I mean, both ladies were going to run bags at a high rate. So, and they do it in different ways. So, Al Tice is going to stay up the middle with this kind of soft touch, slick bag. She's only going to go to Aramel as a secondary shot in very despairing situations. Like, she's going to really need to shoot an Aramel. Finley's different, right? She's going to be whipping that thing in hard with a carpet bag, but still with a run bag mentality. And she's quick to go to her Aramel if she needs it. She does have an unconscious Aramel. The entire game, Altice just kept shanking one of those four bags. Like she would mm -hmm. hit three, three good ones and then shank one. Or she'd shank her first and then she'd hit three. But Altice wins with four baggers. That's what she does. In 10 rounds, she had one four bagger. Mm -hmm. And Finley, on the other hand, threw 50% four baggers. She really put on a clinic. Uh, and a little surprise of a cutback in round six. I'm not sure if you saw that, Mike, but she threw this little cutback. I didn't even know she had it in her. So I was like, she's let's go. Whole, she's got a complete game. And and I think really what you're what you're saying here, Anthony, is I'm happy for Sam because she earned it with capital letters. She came in and she threw solid every game throughout and she earned it. So she moves on. She's one of the final six now. Heck yeah. You already went through Birchville and Rawls. I just got one thing for you on doubles, Mike. So my guy, Trey Ryder, refuses to buy into the Joe Neistat bandwagon. Where <laughs> do you stand on Neistat as a talent in this sport? I think that Joe Neistat is knocking on the door of elite status. I don't think he's there yet, but I think he is knocking on the door. I've been a big fan of Joe Neistat's for a couple years now from, you know, well before he ever turned pro. And I have no doubt if he does not knock it out of the park and finish phenomenally well at Worlds, which he may, next year he takes the leap. Next year, from the get-go, Joe Neistat is in the conversation as an elite player. So, Mies, just to back this up a little bit, just my closing here on, uh, on the shootout. On episode 27, this is 38. <laughs> so, 11 weeks ago, <laughs> I put Joe's name out there as a hot take to break out into Nationals 3. Since then... The dude has been on three TV broadcasts, an open singles bracket final, and a double singles bracket final. The breakout is brewing, like Mike just said. Uh, will it be Worlds? I guess we'll just have to see. Well, I think Only that could be that the next <laughs> I know. He went back to figure out the episode. He's like, I need to make sure Somewhere this is Somewhere he's known. got a score sheet, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> Fact-based. No opinions Wait, here. You're you going to get facts. Do you remember who everyone picked last week for the shootout doubles? Because I know I picked Tanner and Easy. Who did you pick? Yep. Yep. I went um, Humans and Smith. And what who Trey pick? Yeah. And then Trey. Yeah. We all had three three different doubles. 
I know. I was trying to think of any of us won that. I mean, there's no way he would have picked Trey and he went Alex hardball. Was, I want to say he went maybe. hardball. Hardball. Well, he would have picked them. That's not a hot take. Yeah, but Harbaugh had someone else, didn't he? I don't know, but no, I don't think we all lost on that one. So we'll have to see how yeah, we, we do today. Yeah, we all lost, regardless. None of us won. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to uh, Morton's corner. Uh, what do you got for us today, Mike? All right, just some some high level thoughts and 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 general numbers because we've waited all year to get to Worlds, and there's so much buzz and hype about which pros are going to requalify, which ones are going to be susceptible to having to play in the qualifier or potentially uh, go in through an application process. So as you look at the standings, it's interesting how people look at this. Some people throw in the towel and and they're, you know, oh, woe is me, the despair. Um, I'm ranked number 138 and I need to get to the top 100. It's just not going to happen. What I wanted to do was just kind of throw some hope and lifelines out there to people. I did some analysis, looked through the standings, and basically... All I did was ran some scenario or a scenario where you finish exactly where your point standings have you right now. So if you're 20th, you finish 20th. And I assigned you points based on that. And then you just pick one random team and say, what if they do really well? Everyone else does average. One team does really well. And what's a feasible, realistic, good run for a non-elite team? maybe third in their bracket is what I said. Okay. If you finish third in your bracket and you're all the way down at 70th in doubles, you can sneak all the way up to 50th. Wow. Okay. If you finish third in doubles um, and in singles in your bracket, then it goes all the way down to 168th. You can move all the way up. Now I'm not so saying you could be 168th. And move up. That's the and cutoff. Move up to move up to the 100 spot. Now, okay. I'm not guaranteeing that that's going to happen. You might only move up to 112th. It depends on how everyone else does. Yeah, there's a lot of math involved. Yeah. Right. But just generally speaking, with all things being factored in equally, if everyone else does what they're supposed to do, no better, no worse, mm-hmm. and you catch fire and finish third in your bracket, all the way down to 168th in singles can move up and all the way down to 70th in uh, doubles. Now, that those numbers cool. can those numbers can even be worse. You can be 74th. And if things slide right, you know, you, you sneak into that top 100, you know. So I just wanted to throw some optimism out there. There's some real reason to, to go into this, no matter where you are in the standings, with some hope. And then, you know, worst case scenario, you, you do make that deep run and you come up a little bit short. Sure looks a lot better on your application if you move from 160th all the way up to 109th and you just True. missed the field. So just uh, some some general thoughts. I don't know, if Anthony, if you've ran any of those scenarios or if that was news for you. No, I, I have all that math set up. I could run some of those scenarios, but uh, I haven't messed with it. My only thought to what you're saying is, is, you know what? Everyone's an ACL pro. These are very precious positions. Screw third. Just win it. Yeah. If right, you want absolutely. to control your destiny, win it. You're and, a pro. Go off and win it. And almost every one of the positions could requalify if they go ahead and, and get a second or a first in their bracket or win the event. So, but I just trying to be a little bit realistic and just third place, third place in your bracket. And most of the teams that may think they're out of it right now are still, still right in the thick of it. 
Nice. Well, good to know. So, go. I mean, I would hope that everyone would go into Worlds trying to do their best, but now there's well, even more reason to. And, and one more point on that whole scenario, and I never miss an opportunity to, to drive this home. Your stack bracket games matter. I cannot tell you, I cannot overemphasize in every scenario you run, if you're trying to sneak up into that top 100, just a couple stack bracket games throughout the season could be the difference in all that. So just be aware. I like it. All right. Well, we're going to move into and look at our preview of the world championships for women's and seniors. So Mike, what are your thoughts or top picks for the women's event coming up for uh, worlds? Well, for women's, I, I, we talked about it a lot of, a lot of the players that I kind of like already. Um, if you don't say Cheyenne Renner first, shame on you. <laughs> Cheyenne Renner has got to be a, a player to watch. She's a definitely a contender there. Um, and who can forget what she did last year at Worlds? Like she won almost every event she entered. It was it was yeah. We're, we're sick of her on the broadcast. We're like, oh, here she comes again. <laughs> yeah, think how the people on the boards felt when they saw her coming. Uh, <laughs> exactly. She owned Rock Hill last year. Um, so oh, I remember that match was, against, uh, was it Cody? That was yes, a big that match. Come, that come from behind, wasn't it? She came yes. just storming back and oh. refused to quit. So I, I'm excited for her. I think she's got to be listed at the top. I think Connie Altice is due. I think she needs to be watched carefully there. Again, Rock Hill was her breakout for most of the country last year. So she's had some good memories there. She played well there last year, finishing in second only to Cheyenne. So I have her down as someone to watch. Sam Finley, is she peaking at the right time? I mean, she certainly looked like it this past weekend. So I, I like her. And then I'm going to come at you with a, the last name I'm going to mention is, is a sleeper. And I said the name earlier, Deborah Odom. She's due a win. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be. But she's played too well all year long. She's due. So keep your eye on Deborah Odom. And I'll leave a few few names for Anthony here. All right, Anthony. Who are you looking at? <laughs> no, I mean, you said it. I mean, uh, the, there's a few ladies that are just going to be at the top, no matter how you look at it. But, um, yeah, like you said, I think a sweep by Renner. There's going to be women's doubles, too, right? Yes. I'm trying to remember if Worlds. Worlds threw in women's doubles, right? I think, obviously, Renner's going to be a sweep in both women's singles and doubles as a, as a uh, you know, the, the highest seed coming in. But like you said, Cassidy... Altice and Hunter to me are going to be Renner's biggest, biggest mm -hmm. challenges in singles. Altice and, and Hunter, both with late season surge coming into the worlds, they're trending up. So I think there's, there's no doubt a world championship is totally within their capability. I want to mention the Colorado girls, Yeti Irwan and Whitney Martinez. They have sure. stayed in striking distance of top five. Mm -hmm. I mean, check this out. Martinez was first after national one. Right. She fell to eighth. Back up to six after Natty three and currently sitting six. And then Irwan, her ranks go second after national one, fourth, third, and now fifth. So they could be your dark horses that, that come into this end, but they're going to have to bring their best, best mm -hmm. stuff because of someone like a, a Renner and an Altice and a Cassidy, they're going to always bring their good stuff. So you just have to bring your best stuff. Um, but how good has Finley been lately? You know, I mean, look at that run she made in double. She's coming in really hot yeah. to Worlds as well. Do you know if what she's throwing in singles versus what she's throwing in doubles? 
Well, I know that they they made that run in doubles, uh, switching to um, the dip was was it what, what, was dark a different slides. BG bag was it dark slides? Yeah, and then in okay. doubles, good question. Did you get a peek at what she was throwing on the broadcast? I don't remember. Oh, no, I think I think it was Wizards actually. I want I want to say it was Wizards because I remember being a little bit surprised because I thought she typically didn't throw Wizards, but I could be wrong. But I was just wondering if that had a factor in it at all because she's throwing different bag singles and doubles. I thought she threw Vikings at the West Virginia Open last weekend, but but I'm not positive about that. So I, I think what she we did. Here, yeah, she can she can throw just about anything. <laughs> yes, she can. <laughs> yes, she can. Yeah, there's no that doubt. I mean, you, you brought up women's doubles. I mean, if we're going to talk about that for a minute, it's all going to be about who who is going to challenge Renner and Cassidy in the final. Right, strong strong favorite. Hunter Maupin can challenge them. Mm -hmm. Sprenet Belvin. Altice duel, and that's the Altice duel from National One. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and not to forget that the uh, the reigning world world doubles champs right now are Finley and Streaker, and yeah. they just came off a hot natty four. They cooked their way all the way to fourth in that bracket. So yeah. I feel like if the, and we brought up bags, I feel like if Finley and Streaker can figure out the bag thing because we know that was a big deal for mainly Streaker coming in making that change. If it's the dark slide or not, if they have a comfortable bag in their hand, and we're going to see different speeds at Worlds. I think that plays better in the streaker's favor. They, they could yes. be a favorite also going in. That's true. The boards will be new and slicker, theoretically. Yeah. If it's possible to have Sam Finley and Rosie Streaker as, as a sleeper, uh, <laughs> I, that's who I had written down as, as my sleeper. Because we just haven't heard a lot of them from them as a duo this year. Um, sure. But I, I think that they, they're going to be a dangerous combo at Worlds. I agree with you, Anthony. Hunter and Maupin are, are going to be right there contending at the end with Renner and Cassidy and Belvin Sopranet do not sleep on those two. Um, and I do like your Colorado girls a lot. Yeti and, yeah. and Whitney have been rock solid all year. There's been moments and, and I've seen more of Yeti for whatever reason at various matches than I have uh, Whitney, but there's been moments when Yeti has looked just flat out dominant to me. Mm -hmm. So Keep your eye on those two. No doubt. Absolutely. Now, Anthony, I'm going to go to you first for seniors because I feel like you're always on the senior courts at the Nationals. Yeah. It's like where <laughs> you <laughs> you got to have some some great information on those seniors. All right. So, yeah, in seniors, Mike, do we just call Damon Dennis and Philip Hayden in doubles a lock? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going that far. No. Who's going to challenge them? Yeah, who? Um, the, Walter and Schrader. Are, I think are, are a good solid team. It's an that okay can, start. That can. Um, I, and, and I've got a couple question marks here because the registrations aren't in for the seniors yet. So I don't know who's playing with who. Yeah. Who's partnering up with who. Right. So Jimmy McGuffin and whomever. Mm -hmm. Right. They're going to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be dangerous. I could play with Jimmy McGuffin and he could contend. <laughs> that's how, that's how good he is. He can and do I'm a little bit of yeah, Mike, I'm be serious. Be a senior. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, other names, Vonch, Bob Vonch. Mm -hmm. um, and he missed the first national of the year, so he kind of got, you know, hamstrung at the, at the beginning when we were hyping people up. So he wasn't there at that one, but he's had some solid performances in between. And I don't know who he's playing with, but I want to say it might be a Terry Mathis if it's not Jimmy McGuffin. And anyway, any combination of those players, I think, have the ability to to beat Damon Dennis and Philip Hayden. I'm not saying they will, but they could. They can. Right. All right. Fair enough. 
Mike, it looks like seniors? you froze. Yeah, it looks like you froze, Mike. I'm going to go through singles real quick. Um, okay. So Bill Hadley, the reigning world singles champ. But Damon Dennis is going for, remember, he three-peated at the beginning of the year. So if he can win worlds, that would be four of the five events in seniors that he would have won. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting to see how that That wouldn't out. surprise me at all. <laughs> no doubt. Not at all. All right, Anthony, you want to go into the pro qualifier preview? Yeah, yeah. This is actually a good time while Mike's trying to uh, figure that out. So for those who aren't familiar, let's let's kind of scope the size of this qualifier beast because it's a bit insane. So there's going to be 820 total participants battling for 32 spots, Mish. <laughs> Wait, do That's you remember crazy. what the number was last year? Uh, I think it was the same, right? 32? I think it was the same. I mean, the amount of people who were uh, competing. Mm, four something. Okay, so we we doubled. Yeah, no doubt. So that's going to be 640 registered amateurs plus 180 current pros that don't auto qualify. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the 820 and split it into two groups of 410. Each of those 410 are going to go through their own four game rounders. It's really simple. In each group of 410, you have to go three and one or four and zero oh to make the cut. So you're going to take out of that 128 baggers from each group. So you put those together, you're down to 256. That 256 go into another four-game rounder. You go two and two or worse, you're out. Your qualifier run is over. You go four and oh, the pro card is yours. You qualify as a pro for the upcoming season. All three and ones go into a final round single elimination bracket top 16 get their pro card Mish, what an absolute gauntlet to get that qualifier yeah. 32 there's no doubt that the group will produce a strong pool of talent coming into the next season what do you how think how many four no can there be do you 16 know? 16 okay yep got it and then 48 i believe is the number of three and one that'll come out of the, the 256 so those and 48 will fight for the last 16 spots crazy so yeah, i remember last year yeah i remember last year just walking like i was so excited for pro qualifier day i'm like this is gonna have like energy and buzz and i walked in and it was like you walked into the depths of hell everyone was just like freaking out it like a, anxious it was like a morgue right <laughs> yeah it was the worst energy i've ever experienced i walked pins, in like oh it was quiet you could yes. hear a pin drop it at times everyone was just I, mean, I was gonna so go hard. say Hi to people, and I was like, Oh, I am not gonna say, I'm just gonna stay away. <laughs> I felt so bad for the room, like, we needed something to shift, but I know the seriousness of what we're talking about. So, uh, who, who should we right. watch out for, Mike? I've got I've got a list of, of people, I kind of tried to group them a little bit. The first grouping are former pros, uh, that, that have signed up and registered, or uh, I think there's at least one current PDC player I recognized in there. Um, Trey Kelly, Anthony Kissel, Tyler Poitras throwing his hat back in the ring. Yep. Uh, Jamie Fincham, Timothy Pitcher, another name familiar to us for a, for a long time. Um, Christian Brown, and then moving on to my other groupings, family ties. Robbie Davis, could we have a third Davis? What? We got, we got Eric. There's got a third Randy. Davis. I didn't even know there was a third. <laughs> Robbie is their dad. And I will tell you, I've seen him play, you know, a good handful of times. He's got the talent. 
I mean, he he definitely can come out of this field. So he could be the and third would Davis. He play? Would he play with a with Brandon? I wonder. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, the the other one with uh, some family ties. There's Garrett Rawls in there, so that that could be interesting. And then there were a few other. I noticed some boyfriends, girlfriends, wives. You know, where where their their significant other uh, of a current pro is is trying out. So those are all going to be interesting to watch. A um, couple players fresh on my mind because I saw them in West Virginia. Logan Chamberlain and Caden Allen, um, phenomenal young talents. They leap to the top of my leaderboard. Um, looking down through all the names there, they could very well be the, the, including former pros, they could very well be my candidates to go 4-0. Or, or, or they can, I, thought that as chill, I thought as youth, they're not allowed to participate in the qualifiers. Well, I think, yeah, you're, I need to check their ages. I think one of them was 19. It might have been Logan, oh. and I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, Caden is not. I know Caden is, is a lot younger. Okay, I thought he was. He might have been 17. I thought the reason he he was definitely on the sign up list. I thought maybe he was going to turn 18 before the season. So. Oh, that could be. That could be. Yep. So anyway, that may that might bear some some checking into. But those two names are definitely, if they are eligible, they're going to leap to the top. A um, couple names locally that I just want to shout out that I think, I mean, there's a lot of names locally, but I'm just going to shout out a couple that I really think have a great chance. Ralph James, look out for him and Travis Graven. Um, those two guys have been tearing it up in the local area. We are a hotbed of talent. If you can rise to the, the top here, you've got a good chance nationally. So I, I really like those guys' chances. Um some other just miscellaneous names. I think there's some players that played in other leagues in the past that, that are pretty solid. Josh Glover, Randall Garrison. I've seen them a few times on some other streams. I think they've got a good shot. And then Chris Fagan. A lot of people may not know him, but he's in the Navy. He's moved around the country a little bit. He started good. here. Yes, he started here, went to San Diego, and I think he's now down in Florida. I've seen him winning some tournaments, uh, blind draws, along with Alex Rawls down there. He's going to be a beast. Watch out for Chris Fagan. Caleb Avery from North Carolina, one of the legendary Avery brothers, if you will. Um, Christopher Day. I don't know him a whole lot, but from what I understand, he's an OG. He's okay. been around the game for a long time. And him and Matthew partnered up at the first open of the year in the uh, open blind draw, and they won it all. And he impressed the heck out of me. I've never seen anyone more fearless than Matthew when it came to airmails. And he was shooting more airmails in that matchup than Matthew was. And it was fun. He was hitting them like crazy. So he's going to be fun to watch. And the last name that I wrote down was old K-9 himself, Mr. Wally <laughs> Castle. Let's go, <laughs> Wally. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should follow him around and, and cheer him on. We'll see. It depends. As, as, I mean, uh, on that as, day, you got to be careful. As Bernie <laughs> Neighbor says, a player to watch, not a yes. player to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come you on, you know that. I love you. You know I love you, man. <laughs> Anthony, did you go through any your names while I was frozen there? Yeah, I yeah. I, I know we're running low on uh, out of time there, Mish. I'll just touch on a few. Um, a lot of overlap yeah. there. That uh, Lexi Hugeback, I see her on the list. Yeah. Uh, open yeah. or oh, a open singles women winner. J.D. Schierenbeck. I got to see him at the USAC event this year. That dude killed. Chris Kingsbury, if he doesn't qualify already in the open points, he might be there. He's going to be nasty. Nicole Pratt, I hear that she's stepping up her game as a female pro. Be excited to see what she can do. Um, she going to team up with Timmy? 
Yeah, right. I, I, hey, let's let's be real. We know there's going to be a lot of shuffling going on in the offseason. Yeah. I'm excited to see what comes on the backside. Anthony Brunson, Mish. Yes. Watch he's out in for there. him. Danny Borja, he's going to be really good. Tiffany Fincham, an old school name in the ladies' side. She's coming back. Eddie uh, Vallejo, he goes by Tio Eddie, I believe. That dude is nasty. Bobby Hunt and Emily Downer. Um, I want to mention her as well, yes. who also won a one more, Zachary Engelkin out of KCC. This dude is nasty. I watched him throw a 21 to 5. He beat 10s 21 to 5 with a carpet bag. He, he can fill up the hole. Last thing I want to say about that list is if you manage to read that whole list one time, I mean, it's it's crazy. The list is so long. I had to read it three times to make sure I wasn't missing names. And I'm nope. still not <laughs> convinced I didn't miss some names. It's just yep. a long list. I don't doubt it. What All right, we're going to quickly move over to buy or sell. So I'm going to read something to you guys, and you have to buy or sell it, okay? All right, let's go with uh, a player <laughs> who has already won a pro singles national event this season will win the pro singles world championship. Buy or sell, Mike? I originally thought I was going to buy this, but with a little bit deeper thought, the, the the numbers guy in me says, I've got to sell it. I'm going to okay. sell. And it's not not a reflection on those four guys, which are Matt Guy, Creek Killer, Graham, and Richards. If you had to have four guys representing your interest, you'd be hard-pressed to find four better guys. But the field is so deep. Just statistically, I'm going to ride the odds and go that somebody else. All right, Anthony. You mentioned the four names. Serious threats to win it. Alex Rawls, Tony Smith, Tanner Halbert, these are all guys that haven't won yet. Josh Holland, it starts to stretch a little bit there for me. Alex Hicks, Dylan Turpin, Jimmy Humans, Eric Davis, Trey Birchfield, who's Trey trending Birchfield. up. <laughs> Devin Harbaugh, who's trending up. Uh, but I'm with you, Mike. I'm going to sell. I feel like that field of threats mm. outweighs number-wise the only four guys that have won. Right. I'm going to sell. I think that, that one of those guys will take it down. It's just numbers. It's no disrespect on those game. four, and I'm not saying they're going to lose. Numbers game. So All right. It doesn't, right. doesn't matter, uh -huh. Mike. One of those guys are going to grab you at Worlds and say, bro, can win you. <laughs> <laughs> We're fuel, and that's cool. That's okay. How about the 2023 ACL rookie class will be better than the 2021 class? Buy or sell, Mike. Can I ask one question before I answer? When you say better, are we talking deeper? Or are we talking? Um, I don't, make it I your own. Make, make it your own because I made it my own. Okay. okay. So, yeah, you have to. It's up for interpretation. I'm going to buy it with, with that caveat that in my interpretation, I think it's going to be deeper. Um, I don't know with all the talent that's in the field, and there's a lot. I don't know that anyone's going to make the impact that Matt, Brett, and Eric just by themselves did at the top. But I do think they're going to be deeper, so I'm going to say buy. Anthony? I'm going to buy, and I have a specific reason as well. So my specific reason, I think the 2023 rookie class is going to bring a strong breed of skilled dirty baggers. And okay. yes, carpet baggers with all the shots, but I think there's going to be this breed of hybrid players that come in who can maintain hole control with a strong push and collect game, very similar to what Rawls, Birchfield, and Richards doing. I think that's better because it will be better for the game to add more mm -hmm. of this style of play to the population that's very heavy in a fast bag approach. So I think that's why it'll be better. Okay. 
Last one, Philip Hayden retires after winning his sixth straight senior doubles world championship. Buy or sell, Mike? Buy. That's kind of a twofer, isn't it? Yeah, buy. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's easy that's for me. Simple. Mine was that easy too. I said buy. All right. Now let's keep in mind, yeah, he's coming into his retirement year. He's hey, he's he's gonna go off into the sun with that championship. Bye. The least likeliest of the things that you just mentioned in that sentence is him retiring. I I think he's more likely to unretire or not retire than they are to lose. <laughs> no, that's a little strong. But. No, I had a chance. I had a chance to uh, just chat with him back and forth. He's he's pretty set on that. You know, yeah. there's a lot of uh, you know grandkids and the travel on the family, so he's pretty. He's set been on looking that. to do it. Looking to do it for a little while now. It's fine. Go out on a high. I like it. All right, let's talk about our pro doubles coming up here at Worlds, and we'll just walk through the brackets uh, here. So, Mike, I'm going to give you a bracket A to start with. There, if you'd like to dive into that. Sure. The first thing I noticed about bracket A, my eyes immediately leaped to this. Matt Guy, Brett Guy, both on the same side of the bracket. Mm -hmm. All right. One's at the top. Matt's at the top as the one seed. Brett's at the bottom as the four seed. But that's going to be interesting. They find themselves not only in the same bracket, but the same side of the bracket. So that's going to be fun. Um, Bernasette and Gustafson, they've been kind of quiet this year as a duo, right? They're coming in as the 16 seed. This may be their chance to redeem, you know, What's been a, I, I have to think for them, been a disappointing or a quiet season. Um, sleeper pick in this bracket as I'm kind of walking my way through it. I really like Brooks and Dotson as a sleeper pick. They are so fiery and they can they can fire each other up. I think they're a solid sleeper pick. Overall in bracket A, I think though, I'm going to go with Easy and uh, Tanner. I think okay. Easy started out the year a little shaky and he's been nothing but fire lately. He has been throwing some heat and I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to outlast Wooten and Smith who could, who could take them down, but I think they're going to outlast Wooten and Smith and then uh, face guy and Graham in the finals. All right, Anthony, any last minute thoughts on that before you take on bracket B? Um, just, just in, in time's sake, I'll just go on to bracket B. I see we're running out here. All right, cool. All right, bracket B. So you're going to have Lopez Richards as your top left seed, Harbaugh King as your right seed. Lopez Richards only slacked in national number one. Since then, they, their consistency has been absolutely ridiculous. They took second in Natty two, fifth in Natty three, and then they won the whole thing at the last at the last national. So to think that they're not coming into Worlds to win this thing would be silly. I'm a big fan, though, of Dingus and Lucas Jr. in the bottom left. They've completely evolved their game and built up a whole new skill set this year, which I thought has been amazing. I expect them to see them fighting to win through their first bracket. Um, they're consistently deep. Um, we do see an intriguing team over in the right side. Jimmy McGuffin went out and picked up John Fuentes. Uh, a little bit of a story. I was walking into the building at Nationals 4 for the doubles event, and McGuffin's walking out with his bag. And I said, yo, Jimmy, you're going the wrong way, buddy. You need to get back in there. Said, I'm heading home early. I was like, what? What do you mean you're heading early? Turns out Sorrell's never showed. So Jimmy was left hanging with no partner. Well, he's got a new partner now for this one at Worlds. I'd be curious to see what they do. Absolutely. Mike, any last minute thoughts before taking on C? No, I think I think uh, he pretty well covered me. All right. Let's, let's hear about C. All right. So bracket C. 
I just want to know if the real James Baldwin will please stand up. He <laughs> well, is alternated between Superman and Clark Kent all year. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that James Baldwin is a big game player. He's a big tournament, big game player. And when the chips are down, he comes through way more often than not. So I think he's going to have a good tournament, but he's the wild card in the Renner Baldwin uh, teaming right now. So if he comes in and he is more like Superman, I really like those two in, the, in this one. Um, Hogan Trzinski have been a great team all year. They've been super solid. I love watching them play. I've got to see them quite a few times. Um, and just so they don't take this as motivation that they got left out, I want to throw out Dylan Turpin and Ricky Gonzalez. Coming in as a four seed, super quiet as a team, but yet very solid all year long. We all know Dylan's had some super runs and singles. So, you know, they should be a lot of fun to watch. And then um, my sleeper team is a little close to home. Matthew and Ian, I think this might be the tournament where they're able to put it all together. We all know Ian's kind of fighting the uphill battle to return as a U18. So he's only got basically the doubles and singles. He needs to make a nice run in one of them in order to come back. So I think he's going to come loaded for bear and, what we saw in West Virginia out of Matthew was very close to the Matthew of old. Um, so if, if they show up both playing their A game, I think they could make a good run as a sleeper. All right. And then bracket D, Anthony. Real quick and see, I think, I, th I think the Hollands have the top left locked. Singleton and Shermerhorn are going to be trouble uh, for mm -hmm. Turpin and Gonzalez. The boards will be playing faster though. We want to keep noting that. I think that plays into Turpin and Gonzalez's favor. Singleton and Shermerhorn are going to want to block an airmail. But the bottom right is jacked in that bracket. You've got Hogue Trzinski, Maudlin Schlobaum, Hisner Henderson, and the Ochoas can be nasty. Mm -hmm. But I think a bracket final in C is going to be the Hollands versus Hogue Trzinski. Um, bracket mm -hmm. D, this one's actually a pretty tough bracket. Um, Birchfield has yeah. stepped up his game, making his partnership with Rawls absolutely crazy strong. I think they're coming to crazy strong. They're going to run into Spees Beamer or Clemmer Jones, uh, but I think Birchfield and Rawls are going to be way too much for them to handle. Mike Meese, you know where I'm going in the bottom left. Neistead and Morellis <laughs> will get through Windsor and Herrera. But wow. then they're going to run in. Yeah, then they're going to run into Birchfield and Rawls, and that's where the trouble is going to turn into them. I think Morellis is trending up. He's going to have to bring his best stuff, and he is currently. and That will be their chance to beat Birchfield and Rawls. But Ruben and Power over there in the right side. They're sitting really nice. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't win that right side. I don't think there's anything too scary over them uh, to challenge them in that right side. What do you think, Mike? I, I don't know if you all let me do this, but I had I had Nistet and Morelos as my sleeper team in this bracket. It's nice. it's uh, it's a little dicey, but if you if you're only looking at their seeding, maybe maybe. Um, but right. no, I, I think I think you captured it all. Windsor Herrera. Um, can't sleep sleep on them either, but that that pretty much. Well, I don't think anyone's that. sleeping on on Windsor and Herrera. It's just they better not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> they better not. I don't care if Windsor. I don't care if Windsor and Herrera or Windsor by himself, or they go zero and eight at the first four nationals. Come World Championships, I know that uh, Ryan Windsor yeah. and Isidro Herrera are going to come strapped. Agreed. All right, moving on to holy hot takes. You got a hot take for us, Mike? I do. Okay. Despite the depth of talent in the pro field right now, and we all know there's a lot, 
I'm going to say that parity takes a rare backseat and at least six out of the eight bracket winners, winners between pro singles and pro doubles are either your number one or number two seed in their bracket. I, I'm, I'm not seeing a okay. bunch of upsets taking it down. Okay. Interesting. Anthony? I'm going to say Michael Lucas Jr. and Michael Dingus make it to the finals of their bracket here at Worlds. I think they get there, though, through the loser's bracket. I think they're going to take an L to Lopez Richards in the left side, drop down, make their way back up, and fight for a two-scoop to win that bracket. Lucas Jr. and Dingus. All right. You guys talked about bracket D, and I'm picking Jay Rubin and Jordan Power to upset, kind of upset, whatever, Trey Birchville and Alex Rawls, which everyone thinks is unbeatable. So I'm putting my my uh, confidence in Ruben and power to do it. So let's see it happen, boys. That's all the time we got today. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you all next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>